Hey everyone, welcome to the Intention Training Podcast. Um, Roy and Jen here. Today is episode five. Mm-hmm. We are going to cover caffeine and supplementation to start, and then we'll get into a few questions we got um, via Instagram. We really appreciate when you guys give us questions. Um, it's a good platform for us to be able to answer those and not have to type um, for until our thumbs fall off. So. Yeah. Uh, just a disclaimer here, too. Um, what we're going to talk about here is what we've read, what we've heard. Obviously, we know what we take for regarding like supplementation or caffeine intake. So we know generally what works for us. But for everybody, it's going to be different. So take what we say lightly here and just, uh, yeah, try new things. And then... You can always do like trial and error with supplements, so nobody's going to give you a penalty for that. Yeah, I think it's important to just see how you respond to things. Um, I have never really kept a journal, but some people swear by that. Um, so that would be an option, but a lot, she's right, a lot of the, the research is conflicting and nothing is super definitive, but we we read up on it and we're hoping we can give you guys some value and some guidelines as to at least how to approach caffeine and kind of change your mindset around we kind of want to get away from the typical um nine to five college student mindset of where if coffee or caffeine is something that's just going to get you through the day um or things like that or it's like a immediate boost with no consequences we kind of want to get away from that so that's what we're hoping to do today and we're hoping to look at caffeine through the realm of performance not only in the weight room but just in general um most of the stuff we're going to be talking about today are classified as ergogenic which just means it helps with performance so if you hear that term thrown around that's what that means um like it would be used as like caffeine as an ergogenic aid as in it helps you perform mm -hmm. so that would be the context in which it would be used all right, should we get into it? Yeah. So I guess like one thing to cover first would be that supplementation is not a replacement for food or a well-rounded diet, whatever that may look like for you, depending on if you're vegetarian, vegan, pescatarian, um, or I guess keto. Yeah. Um, Another so. thing is, I mean, where you live yeah. plays a huge role to us here in Minnesota. It's going to be key for us to get in vitamin D because we're not seeing the sun ever mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we're basically living in the twilight zone. <laughs> yeah, so you, we would use supplements to just cover those missed spaces in our um, diets. One way, I mean this is kind of an inaccessible way, but one way to understand what your body needs, what it may be lacking, is to get blood work done. So if you ever have the opportunity to get blood work done, and see maybe where your levels are low or high, that's a great way to base your supplementation off of like, you know, what your body's actually telling you that it needs. But that's just a disclaimer there to say that supplementation is not a replacement for food. Yeah, and I think it can be really fun to experiment with and try new things, but also I think it's good to take kind of a minimalist approach and Minimum effective dose is going to be huge in both saving money and just being as efficient as possible. And our, our bodies can do incredible things, and they give us most of what we need. So really, 
like Jen said, this is kind of this stuff is mostly just to fill in gaps that you have based on how you eat or other habits or um, predispositions you may have based on genetics or or things like that. Um, should I start? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I looked at an article called "Caffeine for Strength Athletes" um, on EliteFTS.com by Tony Montgomery, who actually owns a supplement com- company. Um, they got some good stuff if you want to check them out. It's Supplement Zero, Sub- right? Oh, Subject Zero. Subject Zero. Yeah. Um, so, when th- thinking about caffeine for strength, caffeine for strength athletes, um, he notes that um, caffeine improves perceived effort, neuromuscular function improves muscular strength and endurance, and improves recovery from tough workouts. Um, He notes that it can easily be abused. You develop a tolerance to caffeine, and it can really mess with sleep patterns and ability to fall asleep. Um, He also says that it may assist in inducing adrenal fatigue, which is big in overtraining, um, but more research is needed on that front. So how caffeine actually works is caffeine binds to adenosine receptors, um, which results in reduced pain and effort perception and enhanced neuromuscular function. Um, he gives some recommendations. He says that roughly three milligrams per kilogram of body weight, and those of you who aren't familiar, a kilogram of body weight is 2.2 pounds roughly. Um, so he says that's a minimum dose needed for any ergogenic effect, and that's six milligrams per kilogram of body weight. 30 minutes prior to exercise is a sweet spot. So for me, I did the math here. Um, I weigh about 175 pounds, which is about roughly 80 kilograms. So the ideal dose for me, in this case, if we're using six milligrams per kilogram body weight, would be 480 milligrams, which seems insane to me. Um, The Mayo Clinic recommends no more than 400 milligrams of caffeine daily. Just to put this into context, um, I believe a monster has 140 milligrams. So that would be like three monsters and then some, and some coffee and some tea. So I wouldn't go with that. I would more stick to the Mayo Clinic guidelines. Um, Yeah, but he also notes that caffeine can play an important role in the recovery process as well. Um, Caffeine uh, that's ingested in a recovery period following a hard training session can reduce soreness, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, Just for reference for you guys, 100 milligrams of caffeine is in about um, an eight ounce cup of coffee, depending on how you brew it, um, dark or light roast, things like that, and about 35 milligrams in a cup of green tea. So that's some easy knowledge you can use to start kind of tracking and just being more aware of how much you're putting in your body because I know I used to drink like an entire pot of coffee for a while and I had no idea what I was doing to my body. Um, Caffeine tolerance develops in about, uh, if the same amount of caffeine is ingested for 20 days, so if you do that and you develop tolerance to a certain amount of caffeine, its effects will be lost over that time. Mm-hmm. So to best utilize the benefits of caffeine, you need to kind of cycle it and be aware of when and how you're using it and how much you're taking in. Um, I like to base my use on the, the demands of that day. So if I have a particularly hard training session, maybe I'll have um, more caffeine that day. If I am resting, I might have none or I might just have a cup of tea or something like that. Um, which can be hard, but something that's been helping us a lot is uh, having decaf coffee instead of regular coffee. Doesn't taste as good, no, but gross. it pretends, and <laughs> we are thankful for that. Um, so that's another option. One huge thing that I don't think a lot of people know is that the half-life of caffeine is four to six hours. 
So that means that half the amount of caffeine you ingest is still going to be in your bloodstream four to six hours later. So for example, if I have, like we said, an eight ounce cup of coffee has about 100 milligrams of caffeine, give or take. If I have an eight ounce cup of coffee at 3 p.m., it's likely that 50 milligrams of caffeine are still going to be in my bloodstream at 9 p.m. So you have to take that into account. Um, how I how I try to look at it is I try and cut off my caffeine intake or at least switch from coffee to tea at a certain time each day based on when I'm going to be going to bed that night. And obviously you can't predict that every night, um, but just you got to do your best and be aware of these things. So I kind of have, I wrote down some recommendations, some key takeaways from this article. Um, Beginning with, don't sacrifice sleep for caffeine because sleep is the most important supplement of all. Um, And that's a natural one, one that we can easily implement. So don't sacrifice sleep for caffeine. Um, Explore stimulant-free options on days when you have less demanding training or tasks. So if you have a... Yes. So I just wanted... I'm doing like crazy hand motions over here. I just want to say... That some people are fast caffeine metabolizers. My dad is one of these people. He can have a cup of coffee and go to go to sleep. He used to drink coffee till like six p.m. and go to bed at like nine thirty. So this is just another example of us saying like you really need to figure out what works for you. And I'm not saying that if you do me- metabolize caffeine fast, that you should be drinking it until six p.m. But that's just another reason to be wary because that is still caffeine in your bloodstream and that is going to put you in a parasympathetic state a little bit caffeine give or take wait parasympathetic is caffeine will be sympathetic sympathetic state yeah i am a political science major but i do try my best (laughs) um but yeah so if you are not feeling the effects of caffeine Mm -hmm. that does not mean to have more caffeine yeah that's true um and i think just uh, on the point you just made with your dad, I think the fact that he's able to go to bed after drinking coffee at night doesn't necessarily mean he is metabolizing it faster, which could be true. He could metabolize it faster than most people, but also he probably has a high tolerance at this mm-hmm. point. And some people might be able to fall asleep better with caffeine in their bloodstream. I'm not exactly yeah. sure how that works, but... But yeah, he he passed that down to me. So I I know that getting up in the morning a cup of coffee is not going to fix my tiredness problem Mm -hmm. and so i'm less likely to go overboard with caffeine and i'd much i'd rather get more sleep because i know that's actually going to have me waking up feeling ready to go yep um back to the recommendations um so i was starting to say that you're going to want to explore stimulant free options on days when you have less demanding tasks so you just have um kind of a light day, then I would recommend sticking to green tea or herbal tea, um, Gatorade, sparkling water, nootropics, decaf coffee, etc. Um, and save your caffeine for higher demand training days because not only will that help you on those, um, those lighter days when you don't need that stimulation, but when you do take it, it'll have a greater effect and have greater benefit for you. And another thing that you can consider taking are nootropics. So nootropics are drug supplements and other substances that may improve cognitive function, like executive functions, memory, creativity, or motivation. This is from Wikipedia. But I have taken the nootropic from Subject Zero, 
um, and that has a mushroom blend in it. And one thing to note here is that nootropics are stimulant free, um, but you do, I did personally experience a heightened level of focus and they're pretty gross. If you get a nootropic and it tastes good, that's likely because there's a ton of fillers in there um, rather than the ingredients that you're paying for. So another thing I would recommend are taking like nootropics and there's a lot of different mushroom supplements um, you're going to want to make sure that those are dual extracted. This is all just the nitty gritty of it. But another thing to consider here is nootropics. And this is good especially for studying. And days when you have to sit at the computer or, you know, get stuff done. Yeah. Um, something that I was going to save for later when we got to like pre-workout and amino acids and whatnot. But I think we should note ahead of time in case it comes up before then is that a lot of supplements contain what are called propri proprietary blends, which basically means that the company is not going to disclose to you exactly what or how much is in the product. Um, they will give you a list of ingredients, but there won't be how much. Um, so that is when it becomes really hard to actually know what's, which ingredient is doing the trick, um, what's worth your while in taking and what's not. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have proprietary blends, but you need to be aware of um, that kind of, that phenomenon in the supplement industry. I have a few more recommendations here. Um, if you're currently overdoing it with caffeine, I've definitely been there. Um, try to wean yourself off of it and to reestablish your sensitivity. Like I said, if you are able to bring down your caffeine intake, when you do decide to take it, you'll see huge benefits. You'll feel really energized. Um, and it'll just be that much better for you. So how I have approached this, and I've been doing this for the past couple of weeks actually, is just tracking my caffeine consumption. So it's pretty easy if you have typical sources where you get your caffeine, it's, it's not that much to keep track of. If you know that a cup of coffee is about 100 milligrams, green tea is about 35 milligrams, that's typically what I stick to. Um, sometimes I have amino acids and that's gonna be about 100. So referring to that Mayo Clinic upper limit of 400 milligrams. And that that may be, that's gonna be dependent on the person. If you take more than that and you don't experience any adverse effects, um, I still think it would be good to wean yourself off and reestablish your sensitivity, but that doesn't, that might mean that your upper threshold is, is larger than that. So if you have like a planner or anywhere you, anything that you use each day, even in your phone maybe, just write down the amount of caffeine you're using and try to establish um, a new habit for a week or two and then on a day where you know you're going to need a big boost, that's when you can um, put in a big dose of caffeine again. And that doesn't mean you can't have any caffeine um, it, for the time being, but just be conscious of it and try to try to bring it down for, for a period of time. Yeah, if you're like going to the gym and you're noticing that you're not having a great workout unless you're having like a bang or a monster or a 3D before your workout or during your workout, then something is definitely wrong there. Yeah, and not even workout, like work shift, anything. Work, yeah, if you need multiple caffeine sources to get you through your day, um, every day, then I that's something that I would talk to my doctor about and well, I would work on. I think that might be a lot more common than we know and I yeah. I don't know that I would first and some some there are special cases I will obviously I can actually speak to that in that just thinking about it now when you brought up that point 
when I, as I have been trying to wean myself off caffeine these past couple of weeks, I noticed that I do, I'm like, if I don't have amino acids at the gym, I feel like different. I feel off for a second and it takes a minute to kind of acknowledge that and realize that that's probably not very rational. And I'm always, I, I've in the past have always brought um, something caffeinated to the gym and something caffeinated to work mm-hmm. and school. Mm-hmm. So if I'm leaning on that to get me through those things, that's probably not the healthiest thing. I'm someone who doesn't want to depend on anything. Um, I try to be really conscious of that, and that doesn't mean I don't um, like you take me- like you take utilize medication. stuff. I yeah. take medication. So um, I just think you have to be mindful of how you're using it, and I think it's valuable to, to know that you can get through the day without without mm. using anything, you know? Um, and, and that's not to, like, down-talk on people who are dependent on medication no. and stuff because you do need certain things to well, live. Yeah, no, I am. Yeah. I mean, I use medication each day. I'm not trying to yeah. say... I am by no means trying to say you should wean yourself off your medication. I'm talking about caffeine only mm. in this context. Like ergogenic aids. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, should we move on? Yeah. So what did you have next? So for me, I guess I was just talking about... It, like in my notes um some common supplements that people take um so supplementation is not just for athletes and most people actually need supplementation so these are commonly like daily multivitamins vitamin d fish or um i guess krill oil there are joint health supplements heart health supplements um and these are pretty widely inaccessible but like we were talking about, a lot of this stuff isn't going to be worth your money because let's say your multivitamin has sufficient calcium or vitamin D levels for you. Taking more vitamin D isn't going to be like a super effect. You're just going to pee it out because you don't really need more and your body doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, just on multivitamins, that's an important thing to touch on is they kind of get a bad rap, um, it seems, just because people always say, well, you don't know exactly how much you're absorbing, which is true, but I kind of look at it as like an insurance policy, like that's kind of your backup. Mm -hmm. At least you're getting a baseline there, Um, and it it can't hurt, and they're like $3. So I would recommend a multivitamin because why the hell not? It's $3. You're probably going to get something out of it. Um, That's that's what I would say. Yeah, it's also like really not that deep because... You can take, like, a kid's chewable three times a day. I mean, that's obviously going to be a little bit more expensive to, like, upkeep, but um, adults typically need, like, three times the amount as children do. So you can really – it's not as specific. You'll see – you'll go and you'll see, like, multivitamins for men, multivitamins for women, multivitamins for children, like, for all of these different things. And it's really best to just keep things basic there. Because paying more money for a really fancy multivitamin isn't necessarily going to uh, boost your health. And this is kind of adjacent to what I was talking about before with the proprietary blends. You don't know exactly how much you're getting of all the ingredients there. It'll tell you how much of a daily value is in there. But again, there is some truth to the, the skepticism when people say you don't know how much you're absorbing. You're going to pee some of it out. That is very true, so um, don't rely on that, but it's a good backup plan, and like I said, it's cheap, and it's not going to do you any harm, so that's like the easiest one, I would say. Uh, yeah, and like also, 
something that's important before you purchase a vitamin or a supplement is thinking about why you need that or why you want why you need that supplement because i'll go to like cvs and look down the supplement aisle i'm like oh my god there's tabs of cinnamon like oh that's good for whatever and i'm like maybe i should take that but i have cinnamon at home um but like one thing um one common supplement that a lot of athletes take is turmeric and turmeric is supposed to be really good for joint health and uh, relieving chronic inflammation but you need large large amounts of turmeric to get this kind of effect if you're like cooking with it right yeah if you're cooking with it and so if you're an athlete and you're trying to ease the inflammation that you get from training or if you have any chronic condition yeah that causes but, a lot of inflammation. Yeah, but specifically for training, you are, your body is going to be making adaptations that require inflammation. Because um, you're, you're going to be building muscle. So if I'm taking turmeric to uh, ease that inflammation after a really hard training session, that's super counterintuitive because I need that muscle damage. Um, there are other things I could try, like taking a hot Epsom salt bath that would give me like a similar effect but think about why you're taking a multivitamin and if that actually aligns or not a multivitamin a supplement or a vitamin and if that actually aligns with your goals um there's a common supplement called curcumin curcumin it's derived from turmeric um and it pertains to joint health so it inhibits systemic inflammation supports the immune system promotes heart heart health and provides antioxidant protection um and this is more concentrated i guess than turmeric um it has a lot of anti-inflammatory properties and that's something that i would suggest over turmeric um specifically the bio curcumin because that's gonna um your body's gonna absorb that much better but that's just a turmeric tangent the main point here is think about why you're taking a supplement and if you actually need to be taking it for that purpose like what can you what else can you do is it do you need to take a supplement or is that something that you can solve a different way yeah it's good stuff um one thing you said that i don't want to let go under the radar is that athletes need muscle damage which might sound counterintuitive but the majority actually all all of what you're doing in the gym is actually breaking muscle down and it's what you're doing outside of the gym to recover that's building that muscle up that's when the nutrition comes into play so um like you said taking some an anti-inflammatory or being really conscious of trying to keep inflammation down might not be the best choice especially directly after a training session mm -hmm. or if you're going through a particularly hard training block um mm -hmm. or things like that another thing i wanted to mention that just popped into my head when you were talking about that is i think this mindset that we're trying to convey to you guys about know why you're taking stuff um applies to a lot of things within the fitness realm and just life because for example doing things like stretching foam rolling um the research is mixed like s some people there's not a lot of concrete evidence that it actually helps you mm -hmm. but i think placebo is also a powerful thing but what i'm trying to get across here is that foam rolling for 30 minutes every day it's not going to help you so if you think you're doing that to improve your performance you're you're just you're wrong that's yeah. not 
that's not the fact. The same way that if you're taking a certain supplement um, to try and achieve a desired effect, then it, it's not always going to be the case. So I think the bottom line here is that you should, as best you can, um, seek out knowledge on anything you're going to implement in your life and try to be conscious of how you're reacting to it and if you're getting anything from it. Um, that's the bottom line there. Yeah, and, but like like you said, placebo is super powerful. So if foam rolling for 10 minutes before you go to bed makes you feel better, makes your body feel better, then like by all means, go for it because that is not doing you any damage there and it's you know elevating your mind space, your mental uh, uh, attitude. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like... No, you're totally right. And I... Um, yeah, I agree 100%. And that, that's not to say that I don't... I stretch every day. And I, I like to use the foam roller. And I don't do that because I think it's going to improve my performance. I do it because it feels good. And it feels like I'm doing something productive. Um, and it's, it's just nice not to have to focus on anything too hard and just breathe and just kind of relax a little bit. So... By all means, go and do that stuff. I just, what I'm trying to say is that you guys should be aware of um, what's actually going on when you're doing that. And and that's all that I'm trying to convey there. Um, next up, I have some an article called Safety and Efficacy of Creatine Supplementation in Exercise, Sport, and Medicine. So creatine is something that we swear by. Um, Jen always calls it soft steroids. Um, <laughs> They're not steroids, just to be clear. Um, creatine, They're steroids. <laughs> creatine is something that our body actually produces. Um, it's made naturally. It can be derived naturally through many foods. Um, creatine monohydrate is going to be your most affordable, accessible, and effective option. Um, it's like $10 on, on Amazon at most. Um, For like how many servings would you say? Probably like... 200 I don't know about that. Maybe like 60 to 100 yeah. But point is, it's it's accessible, it's cheap, and it's effective. Um, so so what does it do? Like, so, why do people want to take it? So you'd want to take creatine because it can increase performance and lead to greater training adaptations, such as increased single and repetitive sprint performance, increased work performance, increased work performed during sets of maximal effort muscle contractions, increased muscle mass and strength adaptations during training. Enhanced glycogen synthesis, increased anaerobic threshold, possible enhancement of aerobic capacity via greater shuttling of ATP from mitochondria, increased work capacity, enhanced recovery, and greater training tolerance. So you're probably all like, oh my god, how can I get this stuff? How does this work? There's no way this is legal. It's very legal. It's very effective. Um, so like I said, creatine is made in our body. Um, it's part of a short-term energy system that fuels short bursts of activity so anything that's ATP. like atp so the, yep the atp phosphocreatine energy system is anything that um is, is what our body relies on when we're doing anything that's short bursts that's uh reactive lasting about zero to 15 seconds um creatine is primarily stored in skeletal muscle uh it then then it combines with a phosphate group which when broken down provides energy for atp that's been used and converted into adp um to resynthesize into ATP and create more usable energy. So that's essentially what creatine is doing for your body. It's providing more means for your body to create energy. So that's why you see all these effects. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. 
if you have more energy, you're going to be better off. Mm. So that's why you see increased muscle mass, increased strength, increased aerobic performance. It's just more energy. Um, yeah, and if, you, if you're like on the keto diet or um, uh, on a carnivore diet for whatever reason and you're eating a lot of red meat, chances are you're not going to need a creatine supplement because red meat contains high levels of creatine. So this is one of those instances where you're thinking about um, supplementation and if it is going to be a waste of money for you considering your current situation. Um, that's just like a heads up though. Unless, you, unless you're, you're eating a ton of red meat every single day, creatine is going to be um, advisable for pretty much everyone, even kids, because it promotes bone health um, and higher bone density. And on the other end of that spectrum, if you are a vegetarian, you're not consuming red meat. It can be found in other foods, um, but that's going to be your easiest source. So if you're vegetarian, you're probably not taking in a lot of creatine through your diet. So I would definitely consider supplementing it. Um, there are over a thousand studies that have looked at the safety of creatine supplementation, and there have been no adverse side effects other than slight weight gain, which is most likely just coming from that increased energy. Um, your cells expand. So you're able to carry more water. Which is not a bad thing. I've heard... That's so, like the stupid... Not stupefied. The simple version. Yeah, so I, I think that's a highly debated thing. You, you'll hear that creatine um, causes like water loading. It causes your cells to hold on to water. I don't know how real that is. I wouldn't worry about it. You may see a slight weight increase. Um, but nothing substantial and it should, should even out over time. And if you are someone who's, who's training or lifting weights or in any way, way shape, or form trying to improve um, your performance, then it's going to do you nothing but, but good. A um, couple other notes on it. Ingesting with carbs and proteins may increase the muscular uptake of creatine, um, but measures of performance may be greater when taking creatine alone. So keep that in mind. If you're someone who's trying to gain weight or gain muscle, um, having it post-workout with um, a protein shake or and some fruit or something like that may be your, your best option. But if you're a sprinter who is simply looking to perform at their best, maybe you're better off having it um, just in a bottle of water or some Gatorade prior to competition. Um, creatine is safe for all populations and may even have positive implications for those dealing with chronic illnesses. There were some really, really interesting studies looking at um, populations that are dealing with serious, serious diseases who saw great benefits from from creatine. I don't want to get into that. We I don't want to have you guys here forever, but look into it on your own if you're skeptical or if you're interested or you, if you know someone who's struggling with um, a chronic illness who could use a little boost. Um, look into it. The last thing to touch on with creatine is that another thing that's hot, like very kind of a hot topic when it comes to creatine is creatine loading. So when I first started taking it, I... I participated in creatine loading. Since then, I think the narrative has shifted a lot and people don't swear by it as much. Um, this particular study, which again was the safety and efficacy of creatine supplementation in exercise, sport, and medicine by Creter et al. in the International Society of Sports Nutrition, published in 2017, states that the most effective way to increase creatine storage is to ingest five grams four times a day for five to seven days and can be maintained by ingesting five grams per day or up to 10 for larger athletes. So it depends on your body mass. Um, with that, it's probably not feasible for a lot of people to ingest five grams four times a day. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that. Another way to make sure that 
you get a lot of uptake in your muscles and to increase your creatine storage in your body is to take that five grams per day for about a month. So as long as you're consistent with it, you'll still see those effects. If you are loading and you're taking five grams four times a day, you will see weight increase. There's no question about it. So for most people, I would say five grams per day, um, up to 10 for larger athletes is your best bet. Unless you're trying to get it, increase your creatine storage immediately. Like if you have, for an athlete, if you have a competition coming up or something like that. Yeah, another reason that it's probably not going to be great to, uh, I guess, creatine load is because... It's disgusting. Well, it's like, it's a really weird texture. And also, um, a lot of people say that it makes them poop. So... I've never heard that. I've heard it a lot. Really? Yeah, like people will like creatine they'll like follow the directions on the back and be like i have never pooped this much before so and it's likely i don't know why that is like that but if you happen to do that after listening to this podcast and that happens to you or doesn't happen to you i'd love to hear about it you'd love to hear about people's well i just want to know if it's like true because i didn't creatine load because it was just doing too much for me so i was like well i'm gonna just take my five grams Go. Amino energy or essential amino acids are a supplement that does contain caffeine. Um, dietary protein, so any protein that is through, comes through food, is composed of 20 amino acids. Um, amino acids supposedly increase secretion of anabolic hormones such as growth hormone, um, insulin-like growth factor, things like that. They prevent adverse effects of overtraining, decrease mental fatigue, and modify fuel usage during exercise. So when I say, when I am talking about those effects and I say amino acids, now I'm talking about um, like amino energy that you'd buy as a powder and you'd mix it into water. Um, so those are what it's what is supposed to happen. I have some notes on specific amino acids um, that people like to supplement, just some of the common ones. So tryptophan is, is one that you'll see people supplementing on its own. Um, which is a precursor to serotonin, and serotonin acts to suppress pain. Therefore, tryptophan is often supplemented with hopes of decreasing pain during times of intense exercise, though studies have shown mixed results at best when looking at things like time to exhaustion, so I don't think tryptophan is worth your while for most people. Um, Another common form that many people take is branched-chain amino acids. Um, That's going to be another common one that you might see in like a, a strawberry flavor or a powder that people are taking. Um, pre-workout um, so during prolonged bouts of exercise um, and that it's important to note that aerobic exercise doesn't refer strictly to cardio if you're in the weight room and you're moving between sets fairly quickly um, any bout of exercise that lasts beyond one minute relies almost solely on aerobic energy so aerobic exercise is not just running swimming things like that your aerobic energy system contributes to all efforts pretty much from the get-go and then takes over after about a minute of um, exertion. So during prolonged bouts of exercise, glycogen becomes depleted. This leads to more reliance on branched-chain amino acids because your body doesn't have carbs or glycogen uh, slash glucose to call on. So it's going to rely on branched-chain amino acids and, and fats. That's what you're going to start using as energy. Some researchers believe that serotonin leads to fatigue and branched-chain amino acids directly compete with tryptophan for entry to the brain. So therefore, BCAA supplementation should hypothetically
decrease or delay central nervous system fatigue, and enhance performance in prolonged aerobic bouts. However, most studies show that branched-chain amino acids do not increase time trial performance, cognitive performance, mood, perceived exertion, or the ability to exercise in high heat, which are all claims that have previously been made or that you might see on the side of a bottle. So, with that said, branched-chain amino acids might be worth your while if you're just looking for something that tastes good, that has a little caffeine to give you a little boost, but if you're looking to truly enhance performance, you're probably not going to get what you need there. Um, I will kind of try to expedite here. I'll skip through a few of the ones and just go through the most popular ones. Glutamine is another amino acid that um, is taken as supplement in a supplement form often. Um, so it's marketed as important for immune system cells like lymphocytes and macrophages, which um, which are which decrease with prolonged exercise. Lymphocytes and macrophages do, and those are important for our immune system in clearing debris and any waste and preventing infection and things like that. But there's little documented support for immune system support for through glutamine supplementation. Glutamine does stimulate muscle glycogen synthesis, but has not shown to be better than just carbohydrate intake on its own. There's no ergogenic effect on strength or muscle mass, so glutamine on its own is probably not worth your while either. Um, last one that I'll touch on that is an amino acid that people tend to supplement on its own or is contained in, this one specifically is contained in a lot of energy drinks like Red Bull um, and Monster. It's called taurine and it plays a role in metabolic processes such as heart contraction and antioxidant activity. Um, studies show that taurine, in this study they specifically drank Red Bull, increases stroke volume during the recovery period after exercise. So what that means is that your, your heart is pumping more blood to your tissues, um, but they didn't test performance in this particular study. In a different study, taurine supplementation for seven days increased VO2 max, time to exhaustion on a cycle, um, mostly due to antioxidant properties. So that's pretty interesting. Um, taurine may be able to increase VO2 max, which has big implications for people in aerobic sports. Um, yeah, lastly, so amino acid cocktails refer to anything else you may see, like essential amino acids, um, or things like that on the market. Um, do you want to talk about your thoughts on the essential amino acids that we take? The supplement? Mm-hmm. Um, if, okay, so the recommended use is anywhere from two to six scoops, depending on... Um, so what is it first? Why do we take it? Well, okay, to be honest, the reason that I take it is because it makes my workouts more fun. Like, mm -hmm. I like to have a nice, fun drink while I'm working out without buying a $3 energy drink. Um, I also mix my creatine in there, so that is, like, my intro workout shake as in middle of the workout. Um, I do notice um, that I feel, like, more awake sometimes. I typically only take two scoops. So keep in mind that I said a serving size is anywhere from two to six scoops. I noticed that at three scoops, I begin to feel a bit tingly. So my um, threshold my threshold for it is pretty low. I'm not sure if it has beta alanine in it, which um, I don't think it does yet. That beta alanine is something commonly found in pre-workouts. It's going to make you feel tingly. Um, but yeah, I begin to, I guess it's more of like a placebo thing there. It's pretty expensive if you get it online. We get it from Costco. We get 62 servings for $20, which is a really good deal 
there. Um, but I it can be easily supplemented with like Gatorade or like I would be fine. Yeah, definitely not necessary. The the biggest thing is is the caffeine there. Um, Jen mentioned we usually take two scoops. That is 100 milligrams of caffeine or the equivalent to about one cup of coffee. So it's not a ton of caffeine, but it's enough to give you a little boost. It tastes good. Um, like she said, it just kind of makes your workouts more fun. Um, it, the best flavors are Juicy Strawberry Burst, which tastes like a pink Starburst, and Green Apple. We have, we've had grape for like... Ever. For like ever, which tastes like purple. It like it's like medicine. Not, you think it tastes like I medicine? I think it tastes like medicine. I don't think it's not like a, a bad flavor. Yeah, not like in a bad, bad way, but it really reminds me of medicine. Like, like grape-flavored one. But I would suggest Juicy Strawberry Burst or Green Apple and even like the Chai Latte one. I used to put that in my coffee, which is like a lot of caffeine, <laughs> but it's good. Yeah, they have a ridiculous amount of flavors. We go with, I think ours is Optimum Nutrition. Mm. Um, that's the brand, so check that out. It can be a good option for sure if... If you want something to bring to the gym with you, I, I don't know, like, sometimes I'll drink coffee in the gym while I'm working out, but I don't think it's always conducive to the best workout. Like, hot coffee while you're working out, it's just not always the best thing. So, definitely check that out if you want some caffeine for your workouts. A little bit on the research here, so, like Jen said, we mostly take it because of the caffeine and because it tastes good, but the research says that it may increase DOMS, or delayed onset muscle soreness, so might help slightly with recovery, um, it may also slightly help with an anabolism, which just means an anabolic process is anything that is building up. Catabolic is anything that's being broken down. So anabolism would refer to building muscle, building strength, things like that. The, the research is really mixed on this stuff, so I wouldn't take it to heart. Um, most amino acid supplements contain caffeine, which is why we take them, and because they're yummy. Um, but if you're looking to significantly increase strength strength gains or muscle mass, you're probably looking to amino acids for the wrong reason. Um, but if you're looking for something that's just going to get you a little hyped up pre or pre workout or during your workout, or really you can you could take it any time of the day, um, it's a good option. And the last thing I had before questions was pre workout. I have some notes on pre workout. Did you have anything else you wanted to cover? Um. I guess we touched on everything. I think, like, for me, I take a women's multivitamin. I take vitamin D. I just take one because there's a little bit in my multivitamin, and then I eat a lot of fruit. Um, I take a fish oil, and a lot of people are really picky about their fish oil brands. I get mine from Aldi. It's, like, $5 for, like, what, 60 capsules? Um, and then that's it. That's what I take. And I take, like, caffeine. Um, I really like to depend on my food for nutrients. So I am taking in vegetables, fruit, um, getting my calcium through something, hopefully. <laughs> I don't know. I'm lactose intolerant. So, you know. But I think it's, like, important. Like, that's all I'm taking. And I take creatine every day. Five grams. Um... Yeah, that speaks to minimum effective dose. Just take what you need and... Does not need to be elaborate. Doesn't need to be expensive. All right, want to move on to questions? Um, well, I have a, a few notes on pre-workout, which is another really common thing you'll see in the gym. Um, you'll see 
all the bros dumping powder in their mouth, swishing it down. Don't do it. Don't do it. You'll, You'll choke. choke. Um, we're speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. Even if you get it down, it's not pleasant. Anyway, um, so I have one, res- a couple studies here that caught me by surprise because these studies all showed pretty significant benefits to, to taking pre-workout. I think that speaks to the placebo effect um, in that if people think they're going to perform better because of something, they're going to perform better. That's just the psychological process that, that takes place. And that that's going to occur in and out of the weight room. Um, it, it also sort of depend. I mean, that just speaks to how confident you are going into a task and whether you believe you can succeed at something. But anyway, um, these studies were also somewhat questionable just because there's a really small sample size. And I am skeptical that the researchers may have just... Um, use their friends as subjects because these were both performed at colleges and it's mostly college males that were quote-unquote resistance trained um, as the subjects so don't take this to heart but these studies found the first one's called effect of a pre-workout energy supplement on acute multi-joint resistance exercise by gonzalez et al at the university of central florida they found a greater number of repetitions achieved by those who took pre-workout compared to placebo greater average peak and mean power performance, and no difference in subjective feelings of focus or fatigue. The next study was called The Effect of Acute Pre-Workout Supplementation on Power and Strength Performance. This was by Martinez et al. by the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition. Again, only 13 male subjects, so not a huge sample size, but they tested med ball shot put, um, a vertical jump, one rep max bench, and a Wingate anaerobic power test, which is on a bike, and I've heard is just miserable, mm-hmm. so I really don't recommend doing the Wingate. Um, but in this study, pre-workout led to significant improvements in anaerobic peak, per- peak and mean power values in comparison to placebo, but there were no improvements in upper and lower body power or upper body strength. So the takeaways here is it's probably the caffeine and the placebo that are doing the trick, but pre-workout, like Jen alluded to earlier, also contains beta alanine, which has pretty well-documented performance benefits. So beta alanine may be another thing you want to look into supplementing on its own if you're looking to maximize performance. But it's important, again, to note that most pre-workouts are proprietary blends, which means you don't really know how much of each ingredient you're getting, and they won't disclose it to you. So go ahead and try pre-workout. It's a lot of caffeine, so if you're taking pre-workout, just be mindful of that and try to monitor your caffeine throughout the rest of the day. I gen- I generally prefer amino acids. I haven't taken pre-workout in a couple of years just because I don't feel it's necessary. Another thing is that beta alanine, a side effect of beta alanine is it's going to give you the shakes. It's going to give you a tingling sensation, which some people find really uncomfortable. So if you are on the fence about it, it's definitely not necessary. But if you're going in and you just want to like you're having a, a workout with friends and you just want to try to get a good pump and kill your workout, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I got. What about you? Yep, that's all. Okay, so questions? Yeah. And we'll wrap it up pretty soon here. Um, so the first question we got was regarding vegan supplements. Um, asked, do we have any favorites vegan supplements? Are there any vegan supplements we, should re- we would recommend? Um, did you have anything on this? Yeah, so definitely uh, collagen because you can get that through a lot of animal products. Um, so I'm, obviously if you're vegan, you're gonna be yeah, missing out. you're gonna be missing out on collagen and that's really good for joint health. And I didn't have a chance to look into this, but I've also heard that 
vitamin C in conjunction with collagen is really important for the actual absorption of the collagen. So maybe do a little bit more research on that and see if you might want to consider adding in some vitamin C. It could even just be orange juice or something like that that you're mixing your collagen into to make sure you're getting the most out of it. But yeah, good call. Collagen's a good one. Yeah, and probably something akin to fish oil. Um, because obviously you can't have fish oil because that's not vegan. But, you know. Yeah, there are good ways. So why we take fish oil is it's an essential omega-3 fatty acid. So it's something that you can get through your diet, but it's very nuanced and there are certain kinds of omega-3s you can and cannot get through your diet. So fish oil is really good for heart health. Um, it's a really easy one to implement and it's something that like we give it to our dog. I, my mom started giving it to me as a kid. Like I think it's a a good and important one. So obviously that's not (laughs) possible if you're vegan. So sorry to throw that in your face. But you may want to look at your diet and see, make sure that you're getting enough omega-3 fatty acids, that you're getting a lot of good fats in your diet. Um, Coconut oil, avocado oil. Yep. And in oil. What is important to note there is that uh, you're going to want to make sure that you're getting enough protein too, which mm-hmm. it might be tough for a vegan because there's no animal protein like we said. So maybe look into a vegan protein powder. Um, I have never taken vegan protein because I'm not vegan, but... There are documented benefits to it. It's safe, it's effective, um, and having a baseline amount of protein is critical for anyone that just wants to mm-hmm. live their best life and, mm-hmm. and have a lot of energy and you know maintain their, their body weight and, and just, just um, build muscle. Yeah, and thrive, really. Mm-hmm. So um, anything else, vegan supplements? Uh, I would say also calcium. Um, with calcium, it's really easy to overdo it, though. But, yeah, just like a, a chewable, maybe, or, um, like, dispersed throughout your day. Uh, that would be the only other one that I can think about. Yeah, other things. Um, we mentioned vitamin D earlier. That's a big one if you're here in Minnesota like we are where you don't see the sun much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another easy one to implement. It's fairly cheap. Other things that I think are important for everyone are just, um, so iodine is going to come a lot from just, you can get it from a certain amount from, from just table salt. And that's important for thyroid function, which regulates metabolism and energy. So make sure that you're getting enough iodine. Um, another thing for vegans that might be important is looking into iron supplementation. Um, I don't have any insight as to what a vegan diet necessarily looks like or how much iron it would contain but i have to i i would think that it may be lacking on iron so i think that's something good to be to look into and possibly ask your doctor about um iron is really good for red blood cell function which delivers oxygen to your tissues among other things so it's a really important one yeah especially if you have periods yeah iron is um great my dad used to make me liver around that time of the month, which is pretty high in iron. Obviously, that's not applicable to vegans, but um, there are also liver supplements and liver pills. Hopefully, they're much smaller than when I used to take them because they were really, really big, um, like prenatal vitamin size. But, um, yeah, that's also another option there. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, There will always be 
that every supplement has claimed benefits and there will always be something hot and new and trendy but like we said you're you want to mostly rely on your food um and our body is able to do pretty much everything it needs so really you're just trying to fill in the gaps don't go overboard don't go buying um go don't go to GNC and fucking oh, fill up it. a huge shopping cart because yeah. you're probably just wasting your money. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is that many supplements probably have antagonistic effects. So yeah. some may cancel out others. You might not absorb certain things. That speaks to the multivitamin we talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, the next question I got was, what is the OD daily limit for Monster? So Monster is super popular. A lot of people swear by it. Um, <laughs> Monster so if you look at the side of the can, you're not going to recognize a lot of the things that are in there. That doesn't mean you shouldn't drink it. Um, but I think, and that doesn't mean I won't drink it. I drink Monster every now and then. Um, but it's a lot of artificial stuff. So I think it's important to, again, see how you feel when you drink it and kind of just just be aware that it's not a natural thing that you're putting into your body. I think that's important to, to realize. Again, that doesn't mean you can't drink it. Um, the... The, the main thing with the question here was, I think in terms of caffeine, how much Monster should you be taking? So from what I found on the internet, depending on the different kind of Monster, there are a bunch of different ones, but it's going to contain anywhere between 100 and 200 milligrams of caffeine. So look on the side of the, the can and see how much is in there. Um, but I would say you're definitely not going to want to consume at the very most, like two to three in a day. Um, because again, there's a lot of artificial stuff in there. Um, and a lot of caffeine. So mm-hmm. just, I, I would try to ease up on it. Definitely not going to harm yourself if you have one. Um, I would say two or three is probably pushing it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yes. And yeah. choose, if you're going to go two or three, please don't do monster. Please choose something tasteful. <laughs> um, yeah. Monster too. And, and a lot of the amino acids in the pre-workouts have artificial sweeteners in them which are not inherently bad. Um, you'd have to consume an, like an ungodly amount to actually see adverse effects. But with that said, many people do experience things like stomach aches when they have too much artificial sweetener. Um, artif- a lot of artificial sweeteners and alcohols are in things like... Uh, gum. Yeah, gum, um, diet soda, things like that. And so if you experience stomach aches from that, that's another thing to think about. Um, I don't even want to... Okay, someone asked me, and I don't even know if this is a real or fake account, but it's kind of a fun question, so am I related or distantly related to anyone famous? And I want to ask you the same one. Do you want to go first? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Don't lie. I'm not lying. <laughs> uh, Are you actually? Okay. Do you know of anyone? I'm not related to Winona LaDuke, but... If you know who Winona LaDuke is, she is... I actually don't. Who is that? She's an indigenous activist. Um, you could say that and everyone would believe you, though. I know, but but seriously, true story here. Um, one of my, She raised one of my cousins as her own. And so, basically, that's like my cousin. Um, let's see. No, I'm not. But Roy... Roy is related to, um, <laughs> babe, you gotta come back. I have to use the bathroom. 
I liked it. Okay, so that's my story here. Um, Roy is related to who you're related to, Roy? Um, the only person that I actually know that was relatively famous was on, like, my dad's, uh, second wife's side, and so I won't get into that, um, but, yeah, no, no, no one, no one that I know of, uh, am I related to that's famous. Um, I have a second, a follow-up question for you. Mm. So... I'll ask this to you and then you ask me, okay? So okay. if I was related to anyone famous, who would you think? Like, what would be... I'm squinting my eyes right now. You would be related to... Ugh. Okay, you do me first. Um... Hmm... This is too hard of a question. Maybe we shouldn't have done this on the air. But it's a good question. Um, Who would we be related to? Yeah, you guys got to tell us. If you have any actual inklings to that. Who do you get compared to? Like, does anyone ever tell you? Well, my name is Genesis Fonder, but Jane Fonda is really close. <laughs> <laughs> really close You to should get Jen the leg warmers. Fonder. Um, so. I, yeah, I get, I get Justin Bieber, but that's just because I'm white. <laughs> I, yeah, so you sound just like him. He seems just not when I sing. Shower, guys. <laughs> Why are you lying on me? <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're done embarrassing ourselves. Any more questions? Uh, yeah. There's one more. This is actually a serious one. Why is it bad to take pre-workout or caffeine before cardio, like running? Um, I think the answer is it's it's not necessarily. I don't know where this information came from. But I think it is a common narrative that you definitely don't, people say that you don't want to take pre-workout before like cardio. Um, I think the answer is that, yeah, it's not, it's not inherently bad. There's, you're not gonna suffer from that. I think why people say that and how that started was because it's not, there's not as much of a demand as if you're lifting or anything like that. So you may not need that, that much of a boost from the caffeine. But it, it's, like we said, caffeine is an ergogenic aid. It aids in performance. And like we covered at the very beginning of the episode, there are implications for um, endurance and long-distance sports as well. So I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with having some caffeine or even some pre-workout before doing cardio. One thing that's important to note there is that, like we mentioned, a lot of pre-workouts contain beta alanine, which gives you a tingling kind of it's kind of an uncomfortable sensation especially the first time so mm -hmm. if you haven't taken it before i wouldn't do that before cardio um but if you have taken pre-workout before and you think it helps you then by all means go ahead whatever you think is going to help you and that is safe for you um which both pre-workout and caffeine are then if you feel like it helps you i say go for it yepers <laughs> all right guys um we will See you in episode six. Yeah, we'll which talk to you soon. We need we need more questions. Um, you guys gotta help us. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard preparing for these episodes. So we really appreciate the questions. It also really helps us out if you guys um, share the podcast with friends, family on your on your social media, whatever you want to do. Um, we would love to see some more ratings on Apple. Um, that's, that's it. That's that. We Mwah. out. Bye.